Yo, what up? This is uh, BAME Jiu-Jitsu Ask a Black Belt, and uh, I'm bad at these intros, but I'm going to try. <laughs> so uh, one of the things, so uh, joining me today is Andrew. He's a, he's a blue belt, and he's trained. Um, uh, he recently moved to Florida, but he has a long history of training in, I think, Virginia. Is that right, Andrew? Yeah, Virginia and Virginia, Philly. Yeah, yeah so um, I got a chance to, so we've been friends for a while before we even got on the mat and trained together. But uh, one of the things that Andrew does really well which aligns with this show is like my, my number one goal is to just help as many people as I can and through jujitsu. So I have this weird thing where like, uh, if, if you have a question, I love answering it because when, when I was coming up, I would ask my coach questions and he would be like, ah, just train more, dude, just, just train more, dude, just come more often. And, uh, it always felt like a cop-out. So I have this like mission. If you have a question, I'm gonna do my best to answer it. And uh, in a podcast format, it makes more sense because I don't have five minutes uh, to go over it. And now we're like digging into like drill time or whatever. I can just talk about stuff. So, and Andrew's really, really talented at uh, asking me questions that are not, they're not super, super basic. I don't know. I don't know how to best describe it, but uh, we end up going to these hour long conversations and stuff like that. So I figure why not record it? Right. So, uh, Andrew, welcome, dude. Like, we Peace. might be doing a few rounds of this, you know what I mean? But just like anyone else that's listening in, if you ever want to get on or just send me questions, just do it. And then uh, I'll be better about recording. This has been a while since the last one. But yeah, I just love doing these. And so, um, yeah, let's get into it. Right on. All right. So, Danny, this was my first question and something I've been wondering for a while. And this question kind of has, there's a few parts to it, but I think okay. that the core, the core of the question is when to focus on what you're learning and when to move on to something else, right? Okay. So the first way that I had it was when you're working on like a new technique or a new system, okay. um, when do you know, and then you try it out and it's not working, right? But of course it's not going to work at first. You need to work on it and, right. and make, get it down and, and everything. Yeah. So <clears throat> what if there's a better system out there for you? And there's a better technique. And then you see something else and you think, oh, maybe that might be better for my body type. I see that being more effective. What's the point of I have to stop researching, stop watching videos, stop learning stuff and trying to incorporate new stuff versus I need to get better at what I'm working on now? Uh, yeah, that's a good question. Like, uh, I, woo, you feel me? <laughs> you know, here's the Got thing it, about Bobby. this. This is, this is, you're killing it, Poppy. You feel me? Uh, the, the, the main thing about this is I have no doubt competing things going on with this. Okay. So the, this question is really good and it's difficult to experience because even someone who's been there, done that, will continue to do this. Uh, I can get, I can share my experience to help you like better understand. So hopefully better navigate this challenge. But here are the competing things, right? So the fundamentals, if I take, take a step back, the fundamental things are this, uh, some concepts that are in my head, and this relies to other aspects of jujitsu, but I go, uh, jujitsu is fun. You know what I mean? Like uh, you enjoy doing jujitsu. There's something in jujitsu that you're learning, you're challenging yourself, you're learning a skill, working out, there's friends, all that stuff. There's so many things going on in jujitsu, right? Um, and I'm a big believer, uh, there's this real big trend of people seeing things and then trying to incorporate into themselves. Uh, but there's this fun factor, I say, right? So I, I've given you this advice before, Andrew, especially when it comes to picking a school. 
you know, let's say, and these are extreme examples, but it's to make a point. It's like, there's a gym that I really, really like for X, Y, Z reasons, but there, I work in say, so we, I live in the Bay area. So like, let's say San Jose, it's like, I live, uh, it's like 10 miles from me, from my work. So when I get off work, I don't have to drive 10 miles to get there. But then there's another place that's literally across the street, but it's nowhere near what I really want. It, it, yeah, I can see it's good. I'm going to be able to train, but like, it's, it's not exactly what I was looking for. I can put a, I can put my money down that you, the best thing for you is go to that place across the street. Because in the Bay Area, like if you, if it's 10 miles away, you're going to be driving maybe hour, hour and a half to get to the gym, then come back. So what are you telling me? You're going to dedicate your entire life to commuting to jiu-jitsu versus actually training jiu-jitsu. You know, there are going to be times when you're like, you're leaving work late. And so you need to place, you still want to train. Well, find a place that's going to be more convenient. So there's like this, like, um, there's this thing where the more conducive to being able to do it, you're more likely to do it. You feel me? Now, there's this other competing thing with happiness, right? So I, I go, let's say you you love spider, Andrew, okay? Um, but then there's this other thing popping right now, like lapel guard, right? You know, you, you to you, you're in this crossroads. Like, I love spider and I'm on the cusp of something big. But then you see this thing that's just dominating the game. Uh, I recommend, I would recommend, yeah, explore that, but like really go deeper into your spider because there's this thing called fun, right? So if you're really enjoying this thing, you're going to be freaking waking up in the morning, biting your nails like, dude, I, I can't wait till uh, my work is done so I can rush and try that sequence um, I saw online about that spider to back take. That's going to be so sick. That excitement drives your willingness to train and it will increase your, the, your how uh, involved you are in class, uh, the quality of your sparring, how you approach the drilling for that, even for a completely different technique. You're going to be... You're going to be firing in all cylinders. There's this excitement. You're, after class, you're going to want to talk to the guys like, hey, I was trying this move. Did you can tell I was doing this thing? Like, it didn't work out, but I feel like I'm working on something that's going to be good. The quality of your training and the frequency you'll train increases like crazy. So, but then you go into that situation where like, well, I'd be happier at that 10-mile-away gym, but I know I'm not going to be able to make it. So this is where the crossroads are. Just like there's this game I really love, but then there's, there's this other game that I've, in my head, objectively is more powerful than the game I'm working on, right? So there's this competing thing, right? So going back to your question, uh, there's, that's the, the trick is the understanding if something's actually objectively more powerful, right? Uh, just because there's high-level guys hitting this, this new thing, 50-50 or this new thing, whatever, people naturally flock to that. Because at the end of the day, we train because we want to get better. So it's one of those things where like uh, we're, we're our, we are a race car building company and we just see this new engine that just came out. Like we're going to flock to that. But, the, but when you flock to new technology, new technique, uh, there's like this, you have to become an expert in that thing to even optimize that, that new product or whatever, right? Whereas if I'm, a, if I'm wrenching on Chevy engines all day and there's this brand new Chevy motor that comes out, if I've been spending a decade on this one engine, I'm going to be able to produce more power than that new platform that's arguably better technology. Because while everyone's tinkering with the with the with the how to optimize the cam lobes and the the, the stroke of the pistons and cylinder size, I'm here. I've been optimized, ready to go. So 
one of the things I see a lot of students go is like, hey, there's this thing, like, can we learn it? Can we do that? It's like, yeah, I'm happy to show it, happy to learn it. Like I myself would excited to learn new stuff. But when it comes to your A game, when it comes to the game that you need to put forward when you go against someone that you shouldn't beat, like you got to put your best foot forward. The only thing that would really save your ass is if you find technique and, uh, and pathways and style of training that you actually enjoy. You feel me? So, like, yeah. So, so what if, so what if you're not, you haven't been wrenching on Chevy's for 10 years yeah. and you, ha and you're, you're starting and you're just, you're just new and you're just looking and saying, huh, what, what car do I want? Right. Or like, what do I want to get into? No, I, how do you solve the not, how do you get out of that paralysis by analysis sort of thing? Yeah, where you're so, not spending a, a month doing this. So you're, you're new, you realize you have to get a system going, but you don't know where to put your feet first. Yeah, I'll, I'll put it this way. Number one, you'll never know. Number one, you'll never know. I'll tell you what, the, um, uh, I've, been, <laughs> I've been training for, uh, fuck, dude. Like it's been close to 18, 19 years. So 20 years, right? Whatever. Um, the game I've had, just pick a belt, dude. And then, and I'll tell you how many things that all these pathways that I went into, right? Uh, it was, there was some, I could speak on that, but then the main thing is this, like, you never know. Like, the game I have when I got my black belt is different than uh, towards the end of my brown belt, if that makes sense. Like, literally just a transition. You changed like that as soon as you got your black it wasn't, belt? You it your wasn't like that. It was more like... Uh, like I said, the capacity to learn, like, uh, like, you know, there's new things going on, reevaluating your own game, like being able to reevaluate your own game, stuff like that. So there's this constant reiteration that happens. And so, you, you know, it's disheartening, but sometimes your game will literally change completely. So you have to drop everything that you've been working on to go to that next thing. So this goes back to your question. There's these things that I want to, I'm interested in. How do I know to keep it or adopt something new, right? Uh, let me put it this way. You know, you talk about, oh, what if you're not that guy that's been tinkering and optimizing this game and you're, you're transitioning something new? What if you're newer to everything? You just have something you've been working on, but it hasn't, you're not a master at it, uh, right? My, the closest comparable I can give you is, let's say you're six foot five and you have long arms and long legs, right? And right away, any coach would tell you, like, start playing bottom, start do looking for triangles, start doing spider guard, start doing all this other stuff, right? So, like, your body type can actually help set up that thing that you really enjoy doing. You feel me? Because it it's literally meant for someone like you, right? Now, if you are if you are someone that's super short and stocky, and then uh, you start doing spider guard, and you really like spider guard, there is this thing that you're 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 your commitment to the position can make you really good. You know what I mean? Just like it's not the martial artist, it's the martial artist. You know, they say that about Bruce Lee. And so one guy can transform the whole thing. But you are fighting uh, uh, difficulties just right off the bat because your body and all this other stuff, right? So there's a, there's a lot of reasons why people like what they do. You know, it could be, you know, my, my body's suited for this game or just the temperament you need to play this type of game or how cerebral you have to be for this type of game. You can start seeing where people started being attracted to certain types of uh, play styles. You feel me? The, the trick here, the trick here is realizing that, and this is advice that I need to give to everyone is that uh, 
if you like doing something, you're more likely to break from that objective, quote unquote, objective, like uh, potential for how good it can be. Uh, objectively, lapel guards are massively powerful. But if you're forced to play lapel guard because it's the latest thing, you fall into that trap and you don't enjoy it. I don't care if the potential is crazy. If you can't enjoy it, you're not even going to reach like mid tier. Does that make sense? Yeah. So, um, this is where the complication happens from that question. It's like, when do I stay? When do I go? And there's so many different things. I think it's really helpful to like break down, uh, like what are the competing pieces? So then you can come in and decide what you want. Like, let me give you an example. I got a student. He's a, he's one of my blue belts, one of my first blue belts. And he comes in and he's asking me about, uh, this thing is like, Hey, there's this thing is so sick. Like, you know, uh, I hear a lot about Keenan, you know what I mean? He's doing a lot of good things. He's a beast. But you got to realize that Keenan, he has a particular body style. He has, uh, there, and, but to be fair, Keenan does a really good job not relying completely on that. Like the game that he comes up with and the techniques he comes with are arguably very strong. It has to be. It's competition tested, right? But one of this student and then what he's pointing to, one thing that I found out was every time something's new and it's like super sick, there's a highlight he gets caught up in the novelty of the excitement, right? And then what ends up happening? If you're one of those guys that are, and I'm not saying this guy is, I'm transitioning now to like a hypothetical, is if you're one of those guys that's constantly looking towards the latest, newest shit, you're probably doing yourself a disservice. You feel me? The latest, newest shit and being attracted to that is great if you already are proficient in something. But if you're not completely proficient in something where you have a fallback, then when you completely go to one, two, three, four, five, you're actually not building a base. You're actually exploring, but never really have this base to rip fall back on. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So for me, like uh, when I find new interesting stuff, I find I, I've, I'm, I'm fortunate enough to where I've gone through that bullshit. And like, I, there's things that I like movements that I like movements that work well for my athletic level, for my body type, for, temperament I, I have these things so i now have a filter i have a lens which i can determine that's not good for me that's good oh that's interesting that will work well with xyz but there's other things that I would completely destroy blow up my game if i was attracted if i wanted to approach that mm -hmm. but again the traction level is now less because i know it's not good for me because i'm on track with this particular style of game or whatever whereas mm -hmm. the opposite if you don't have that that filter that lens from building a game first uh, you will never, you'll be, uh, you'll be uh, just going in circles. You'll never actually progress. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that base, we can go back to that base. That base can be built based on, again, what you enjoy, what works for you. Um, the reality is this, you know, a lot of the ideology that we possess as teens and in into adulthood is from our childhood, like what we're taught. You know what I mean? Just where we're born into a household we're born into, we'll, we'll start owning and solidifying certain ideology and, and, and expectations and stuff like that based on just the people around us, right? So you'll know if you go to a school that's run by a guy who's awesome at spider and you, and you go to a, a, a gym and the coach is known for his back takes, it trickles down to the rest of the student body. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. So there's... Would you say your coach, you love Spider-Guard. You, your coach loves Spider-Guard too, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so that there's another aspect, which is 
I want I don't want to say indoctrination, but it's like it's similar. Like if there's a badass in your gym that does this and he's he he all he does is this. Like he, when he when you see him in the corner after class and he's drilling, he's doing that. Mm-hmm. The likelihood of other people picking up on that will pick up on that. It's high. You know what I mean? You know, I, I've actually I've actually never seen him play spider though. Like no, in I the gym, you. I've never seen him actually do it. But in the competition videos that I've seen of the old days, he was <laughs> yeah. he was racking. No, for sure. But I'll tell you what, like he does teach the techniques. Yeah, he teaches and, them, and there's that mystique too, right? Well, there's where there's also like excitement. Like if you excitement, ask me, right? That's if you word. ask me uh, uh, to teach something that I particularly don't like, like Spider Guard, I'm not going to be that excited. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'll be mm-hmm. excited about how I personally um, prevent Spider Guard or counter Spider Guard. Why don't you like Spider Guard? We can get back into that. You know what I'm saying? We can get back into that. <laughs> But I don't know, like, uh, as far as this question, uh, what do you think? I, I, can I think so this, so this is what I got, Daddy. I got start. So if, if you're starting from scratch, if you're not starting from scratch, keep yeah. your base, keep your base strong and feel what's fun. If you are starting from scratch, start with your body type, right? You're probably going to start for one, what's taught in your gym. Yeah, I, right? absolutely. Yeah. Two, start with your, with your, but if, if that's not the case, if you're at a gym where you're just drill, all you do is you come in and your coach says do 10 techniques that you like and drill those all class. Okay. Then start with what works for your body type, right? And and so if you're a chubby guy, start with half guard. If you're a long guy, start with like <laughs> your Delahiva, your spider guard, some stuff okay. like that, right? Makes sense, yeah. Or if you're anyone, start with lapel guard because it's the best. <laughs> and then and then take it from there. But 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 you're saying you have to build the solid base first. Yeah, yeah. So the follow-on question would be, how do you know when you have the solid base? Okay, so before we get to there. Um, just to solidify your summary, I think you killed it with the summary. There are certain things that are like, uh, they're invisible forces that you can't control. For instance, body type, what the coach loves to teach or whatever, what he's an expert at, right? Um, let's say you have, you have a well, right? And then one's full of water and the other full of Kool-Aid, but you're really close. You, you literally live next to the Kool-Aid well, but the water well is, on foot is like 20 minutes. You're going to be drinking way more Kool-Aid th- for the rest of your life than water. Does that make sense? So what I'm saying is when you have access to a resource, you're more likely to drink and consume that resource, even if it's not what you prefer. You feel me? So uh, it's not about proximity. It's about um, access. If your dad is, works for the SEC, you're going to learn way more about the SEC as a child than in, any other kid you mm-hmm. ever meet mm-hmm. until college maybe or something, right? <laughs> Have I talked to you about that? The proximity professional project? No, what is that? It's like the three phases. This was one of my one of my big homies kind of put me on to it's just like a framework to look about how most people go through life. Okay. So you start in the proximity phase, which is exactly what you're saying. Who okay. you grew up with, the neighborhood you grew up in, um, who your family was, just the stuff that you're around that forms you. And then the proximity phase greatly influences the professional phase. And the professional phase is your, you know professional you're doing it's your first job your second job career whatever that is your nine to five thing uh but the goal is to get from professional to project Mm. where instead of instead of being in the professional like you're a pawn you're doing what you want to do you know what things that you get excited about right damn that makes a lot of sense yeah that makes a ton of sense it's the same way like you know i work full-time and um i do jiu-jitsu and it's a passion project and like it, it literally is the project phase right breaking out of this like momentum of things that i've been trying to slowly build up to makes a total lot of sense and so funny because it's relevant to what i'm talking about in jiu-jitsu going back to this is like 
there's a lot of invisible forces. The trick, the advice I give to people is realize that there's invisible forces that can determine that track that you talked about, right? Like can create momentum in a particular direction that after a certain point, you will have the realization that um, maybe this momentum following it is not best for me, right? So this is, the, this is why it's important to talk about it because I'm telling everyone, particularly white belts, blue belts, and purple belts, uh, realize whether you're in project phase or, or the professional phase. Like you're, you're, you're following this momentum and this is, it accumulated to this. Know that there's invisible forces so you can break from that if you want to, but just know that that's a thing, okay? So that's the invisible forces part. The second part is the base. How do we, how do, so we already can, there's a component of the base that is part of momentum, okay? It's convenient for you. So you've created this base. Really determining whether this base is your long haul core game, that's really complicated because like I said in the very beginning, it can change month after month, week after week, year over year, okay? So you never really know. So as long as you're, my, going back to fun, as long as you're having fun, know that you are more capable to being really good at that thing than if you are not having fun. Mm. Boom, now we figured out the core. Now you go into these new games that might not be, might be connected or not connected, right? The, the, the categorization I would say is core and extra. It's simple as that. So you're constantly building your core and the core can change, but whatever that core is for you, you're going to build it. For the extra, you have to, you, it is your obligation to look into that. It's your obligation. If you're a part of a particular ideology and there's competing ideas that come in, mm -hmm. you don't block it out of your way. That's called old school, right? A lot of old school don't even want to spend time even interested in the new shit, right? So the, I, the only way to make sure test your own ideology is to, to listen to the new ideas and then, you know, have a debate about it. So essentially mm -hmm. like de delve into it. It can, that new stuff, the idea when things go well is the core changes. And then now you're onto something else that's new, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Or deeper into that new thing, right? The main thing is this, number one, there's, the, there's, the, there's these invisible forces that you need to be aware of, right? There's this, there's this protection of your core, this building of your core. This is your fundamental. Then there's this attraction to something new, okay? Here's the problem with that, though. There's a core, and then there's these attractions. The attractions are supposed to push your core to be better, stronger, even transform. But the core and the, the, the new stuff, there should be a distinction between the two. When your core is very tiny, but you're... you're Attraction to other stuff is massive. You're constantly looking at other stuff. You're, I call that, um, I call that uh, trend chasing. Mm -hmm. If you're a game and you're what you're attracted to is trend tracing and you're not into like the core more, it's fun, but arguably more fundamental or whatever. If you're trend chasing, your core will never be good. And um, that's really important to know. You know what I mean? This is why like, Technically, I think a brand new white belt could learn burn blows, and there, there's a reason why they shouldn't learn burn blows. But when you, as someone who's gone through fundamentals to burn blow, like you can learn a burn blow, but if things fail, you have no way to like recover, mm. right? So this is why fundamentals are the what, what they are. They're easily attainable. Mm. You can work on it. Like it's muscle memory, and then you can go on to some new crazy finagle situation, right? Mm -hmm. But everything leads to a massive core fundamental game foundational game that 
doesn't mean it's, it's, it's this heavy stone. It can change, right? But the emphasis on new stuff should be less emphasized than you're building out your core. Mm. Once your core is built out, again, it can constantly change. Even at Black Belt, my core changes. But the new stuff, you can spend arguably more time on the new stuff, but the emphasis doesn't change. Mm. Core is your baby. You're building it. You're, you're, you're taking your time. It's going to take time. But the new stuff, concerted effort to explore it. But be ready to drop it if it's not working out for you. You feel me? So back to your original question, this is how I like to approach uh, that question of how do you know when to build on something? How do you know when to move on to something new? You should be doing both. It's the emphasis that's different. Mm. And that's, I think that's, that's, I think that's most of my advice on that thing. Like mm. um, uh, you had a couple other questions in the past, but do you have any new questions on this? Well, I, I was going to ask how your core has changed from, from blue to where you are now. Uh, okay, I don't so know if you want to go into that, but I'd be interested I can, to hear. I can try. Like, there's, to be fair, there's so much. You know what I mean? There's right. so many things. Um, I remember in the very beginning, I was a, from white is just a blur, right? It should, it's in, there's, there is no core. Like, to be fair to guys, like, as, if you're a white belt, there's no core, there's no new. Everything's right. new. There's glizzies and max and text. Yeah. Whites are like white belts are just like, there, you guys are operating off a different set of, of knowledge and advice that blue belt and up don't have to deal with, right? Be a sponge, do all that. But the problem is when you transition from white to blue, you you listen to the advice of being a sponge, you go to blue and you're a sponge and you think that's going to get you to purple. Every belt, every step of that belt, the, whatever took you there, most likely will change to get you to the next step. Does that make sense? Like people get into really good colleges by just grinding out studying and all this stuff. That's how they get grades. And then as you go into like upper division and even graduate stuff, it's not about grinding out studying. It's about being more critical in your thinking and approach. And maybe like the idea, the initial idea is more important that you're going to pursue versus just grinding on whatever they give you. You feel me? So maybe, it's the, are we, are we <laughs> chill? Is that <laughs> maybe? Yeah, no, I don't know. I didn't, I was, knows, never, I was never a grinder in college. You know what I mean? Uh, I was more about other stuff, creative thinking. So, um, so there's that, but that's, that's an aside. Damn, we can go, you know what I'm saying? We can go deep. Right, right, shit. right. That's the thing, man. That's why I get hesitant to ask the questions. No, I feel you. But this is why I think we're going to have multiple rounds. You always have great questions that, that I think a lot of people may not come to mind, but they're very interested once they hear it. Mm -hmm. So regarding my stuff, I can be like, from blue, I was a heavy top guy, meaning I loved mount and I loved to pass. The passing wasn't a big deal. Like at blue belt level, like you're not having hard fought passing battles for five minutes straight, right? So you either pass or you don't. And if you don't, you get caught up in something, might get swept. Now you're playing that jujitsu game. For me, it was always about these large passing. Actually, it wasn't large passing. It was heavy passing, over under passing double under passing og shit but the goal was always mount was always mount from there take my time choke you out arm bar you it doesn't matter you know but i didn't want to deviate from the mount back take side control i didn't really care it was all about the mount purple belt things changed it was not about mount it became about side control i became a little bit more uh the, the nuance in how I approached the top game. I still didn't really care too much about the passing game. I made it better, but it wasn't, all right. I didn't know it was a thing where you can spend five, 10 minutes on just trying to pass a guy. Like, I didn't know that. Like, 
at purple belt it's either it's on or off blue belt two on or off like you either get submitted or you don't and you're not really sure like we're not fighting for every step we're fighting for position to position not step by step right so then i get this and i didn't like mountain anymore i like side control because i felt like there was more there was more op- opportunities to finish mm-hmm. in side control because with side control like um what is it sun Tzu said like the best way to dog to bite you is put it against the wall right it'll bark 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 but once the dog knows it can't go anywhere it will bite Mm-hmm. So I realized that in mount when I mounted these guys, like they were just bucking and it wasn't, it wasn't fun anymore to keep that. I rather put them in side control. So they're not sure if I'm going to go to mount neon belly, they're trying to escape, but I'm working on a sub. You see that? So it became more nuanced and my, my jujitsu was there towards the end of the purple. I realized I was dog shit at bottom. I was so heavily invested in top that I knew that I had this weird reoccurring like uh, cycle of, if you get me on bottom, you sweep me, you're going to finish me. It's simple as that. So instead of accepting that and owning it and then delving into uh, bottom, again, you have core and new ideologies. Instead of accepting that and doing, uh, what did I do? Which most people will do. Make sure never to get swept. That's what they go into. They start digging in their heels. At Purple Ball is where I really ask the question, do I, sh- do I focus on making what I'm good at better? Or do I focus on building the worst part of me, right? In blue belt, you just want to get ahead. You just want to grind. So it makes sense that you can get the blue to purple by just making your good better. But at purple belt, that shit don't fly no more. If you are if you have weak areas in your game, especially large chunks, like as simple as top or bottom, that's a huge problem that you you can't expect to get the brown belt with that, Right. So towards the end of my purple, I made this realization that my I'm sharpening this sword so much that I, my short is getting shorter, if that makes sense. Like the material is removing because my overall game is not improving. Mm-hmm. But it, so I don't know if it was an ego thing. I, I can argue that it wasn't. It was more like bad coaching, like bad guidance. I didn't. I just didn't have guidance at the time on that. I, it was an environment where I, you know, no one could ask questions and exa- exactly why I love it when people ask me questions. So we can fix something that you're not stuck on this pathway. So I made that realization and I just asked my, I just told myself for the next two months, I'm just going to pull guard and I'm not even going to sweep. I'm just going to survive on bottom. I don't give a fuck. Like, I'm just going to blow this shit up. I'm so frustrated with not making progress. I've hit this insane plateau. So I'm just going to do the literal opposite. Mm-hmm. And then Within a month of doing that, I've committed for two. Within a month of doing that, my game fucking exploded. Absolutely exploded. Got my um, got my brown belt shortly after. Okay. Now I have brown belt. I realize I made this epiphany. I need both, right? Then now I'm this, uh, my top game was still side control, but brown is where I determined that there is such thing as fighting for every step, every grip. At blue and purple, there was no such thing. There were these macro movements, hip switches, long stepping, knee cut, all this stuff. At the brown belt level, I discovered that your overhand grip versus an underhand grip can mean the death of you, right? Like you're going against someone that has as much experience as you, every little detail matters. Mm-hmm. And then what ended up happening was it's not the details that matter to me. It was the approach in my mindset to be able to deal with these micro battles you feel me mm-hmm. and then an accumulation of micro battles is a is a victory so at brown that's how i changed so it was now no longer i just i just 
get past passing, get past the guard, side control. We're going to live here. We're going to, this is my home. My home started becoming the guard pass because the assumption that you're just going to get past the guard to do your thing is gone. So my core was side control, but the new, new was more interesting, dynamic ways to pass an open guard because I have blue and more and less so at purple, but it's all about closed guard or a, a seated guard or something like that. At the brown belt level, it's on your feet ASAP. Get open guard, get on your feet. There's, there is no way that I'm going to pass these guys staying uh, stuck to the ground. That, that was your approach. That was my You're approach. saying that's the best approach. I think arguably that's better than passing on your knees, but that like, doesn't mean that the is, knees are not. Oh, for passing, get to your feet passing, and pass on passing. your feet. Oh, okay. I, feel you. I thought you were talking about from open guard as a bottom guy, get to open guard, stand up. No, 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 no. Absolutely not. When I'm talking about, I'm talking about passing. Knee passing is important component of overall passing, but it should be is the, the feet being mobile is what's the trick, right? So then all the brown belt was me just going ham as fuck on passing, like learning mm. to pass. Where, how, how if you can set up your passing in a way the goal isn't just a pass, but land after the pass in a position that's conducive to your core game. So I'm not trying to get the girl's number, dude. Mm -hmm. I'm trying to find my wife. You feel me? So it's the same way. So it's like, I'm not looking at girls' numbers no more. It's not the first, the first goal isn't the number and I'll figure it out after. It's, I don't even want that number if it, I don't think of her as this way. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. So it's the same way. Like, I will not even consider this passing, this passing pathway. If it leads me into a position I'm not particularly strong at. Right, right. So now I'm piecing it together where it's like, there's a there I have to be consciously piecing it every step away so and now at black belt it's everything put together so it's like the the core I you know the thing about the new game uh I don't know if it's similar for other people but I can look at a technique and I can just start hitting it mm -hmm. because um I know what I need to start hitting new things like I'm not gonna go against my coach and try the latest greatest shit that's dumb but I can my drilling is in live sparring so I'm actively practicing something without drilling it. I don't want to drill it. I just want to go and put it to live use. And then that will, then it's like this whole blob that just is evolving and testing and, and uh, reinforcing and building, rebuilding, evaluating. There's so much testing going on that uh, that's where I'm more focused on nowadays. So when, when you said that, that brought to mind two things that I think are beyond the precipice of my understanding. Right. Okay. So one is the is the not drilling. Yeah. I don't understand it. Um, okay. And what was that? Was it was that always the case for you that you never thought drilling was as productive as live sparring, or did it get to a point where where like you said, like now you know what you're looking for, you know what the tech, you know what the small battles, the micro battles of the new technique being implemented are going to be, and so that's what you're going to work on in the in the live sparring. And then what was your second question? It was just one. Oh, just like, like so <laughs> <laughs> no, you know what? It's so funny when people ask me about drilling, like, um, again, I, I just need to reiterate. I am not Padre Gracie. I'm not Marcel Garcia. Nowhere. I can't. Eat. Denny, Denny Choi. Dude. No, I can't. The cleanest I, I'm, not like I'm not, but the thing is like, I've been through it. So I'm more focused on the guys that are white belt, blue belt, purple. You know what I mean? Like, uh -huh. I'm just trying to help you. So if, if listen to what I hear, but doesn't mean like I'm claiming this is the best way. Right. I'm just saying, like, I've approached it in, in, in the best way that I can, so I feel comfortable sharing it with other people. Like, I'm not going to give you advice if I wouldn't, if I didn't think it was good advice. 
You feel mm. me? So regarding the drilling thing, people people correlate drilling to competition, and because so many competitors talk about drilling, but I'll give you my take on it. Drilling is not as simple as people like think it is. When you think about drilling, you think here's the technique. Let me do it ten times. Let's switch ten times. Okay, you want to do the other side of the body? Is like all right, cool. Let's just do it. That to me is drilling. Uh, that's to, that's not what I think of as drilling, but that's what most people think of as drilling, right? So mm-hmm. I'm not making a cop out that saying like, oh, I have this special way of drilling that's really drilling, but it's not. I I don't call it. No, I I see a technique, and I'll tr- I'll grab someone, I'll do it once or twice. And then I'm jumping into sparring, hitting that technique for the rest of the round. Like that's my- And you're focusing just on that technique. It changes over time, but it just depends on what's needed out of me. Like certain techniques, like I need to do a way more, I got to hit it over and over and over. And other techniques like, oh, I got it. It's part of my game now. At what point did you start taking that approach to it? At what point did you stop drilling? That's a great question. So I think it was around like purple belt. Uh, It was probably brown belt. Um, So- uh, you know, this can turn into a large drill question, but uh, I'll put it this way. From white to brown, I, I was the normal, everyone, here's t- here's the technique, let's do 10 reps each. All right, go. After you do, say, 20, 30 reps and the coach is still walking around helping people, you just sit and talk to your homie. You know what I mean? Also, what, what happened Thanksgiving, bro? Oh, cool. That's what's up. That's what's up. You know, the other day, I was like, you know, that kind of bullshit. I'm giving. Yeah, so I was just like, that's bullshit. Like, um, so that's drilling that I personally don't agree with. Like at the lower level, 100%. There is no other option. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the, purpose of learn, the purpose of learning a technique is to be able to hit it in sparring. Drilling is the unfortunate middleman in there. The reason mm-hmm. why I say it's unfortunate because it's necessary, but it doesn't good, do a good job of transition to hitting it live. So to me, drilling requires multiple categories of drilling. There has to be the static vacuum drilling where the other guy's not resisting. You're just in the position and you do it. Then you increase it. So increase the speed. And I don't mean speed. I never say do it fast. I always say do it with a sense of urgency because fast is will fuck you up. Nothing fucks up your technique more than going fast, especially when you're learning something. I say do it smooth. Smooth is fast. It's a, it's a fucking cliche, but like I, I say don't do it fast. Do it with a sense of urgency. All right. So there's pausing that's necessary if they're fighting you or whatever, but you're still hitting the technique. So there's the vacuum training. And then there's the other one where you ask your partner, hey, increase the intensity. So I'm trying to get past your knee shield, but keep, you know, tighten up your muscles a little bit more. Let me try to fight through it. Then there's another transition of, okay, if I do this, what's your most likely case scenario counter? Just, I'm just off the top of your head, just go. And then is I'll probably fight for the underhook. Okay, let me continue drilling this, but I need you to keep your knee shield tight and your underhook like more active. And you can see how this slowly turns into sparring, right? And then you do positional sparring, where you start in the position and you repeat after you've improved the position. Repeat, reset, 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 reset. Then you have full sparring, but you start in that position. And so there's there's so many like cuts of quote unquote drilling that turns into quote unquote sparring. That turns into full sparring. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. So we once we understand that pathway, we understand how to approach and way be way more efficient in being able to bring that up to speed, right? In my position, I can see the technique and then I can just try to apply it. Like I will learn as I tr- apply it. So for me, I don't I drill if it's a complicated position and I under, I don't understand that where the ankles are and the shin, 
I will grab someone, do it once or twice. And then when we're sparring, I'm just hitting it. I'm just trying to hit it, hit it, hit it. And then I make the determination, is this good for me or bad for me? Is this going to affect how I do things? Is this going to affect pathway? Is, it, is this going to give me what I want? Or is it going to change the flow of this, the match that I'm not prepared to go? And if I'm not prepared, doesn't mean that I don't do this. It means I have to be mentally prepared to go deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper. You know what I mean? So, so let me ask you this. If, if you were... If you were training in a gym and everyone was at your level or better, okay, everyone who trained there, would this approach still work to drilling? Hell no. Because you have to be able to put yourself in that position that you want to work on, right? Yeah. You know what? This is, a, this is another question that I planned on talking about. And it was about how do you approach sparring depending on the skill level in the, on the, in the gym mm -hmm. or the person in front of you. So before I get there, uh, the drilling thing, does that, did that make sense? Yeah, it did that the the continuum of, of what drilling is, and to me, so what the reason that that led to the question of of if everyone was better than you is that depending on how good you are is going to dictate how much you need to create that artificial environment where you can get to the whatever level of drilling you need to work on in order to be able to get like the reps of the technique and to see it and feel it right. Yeah, so fuck, fuck all that, like, how good you are shit. Like, you're, you're as good as you're going to be. There's no, you know what I mean? It's 100% dependent on who, your partners. Like, the level of the, your partner. The style mm. of your partner. Like, um, if I'm working on, like, say, a Brimbolo setup, I am not going to grab a, a brown belt right off the bat and do that. I'm going to go against, and I'm not going to grab a white belt because then they might have a very, thing about white belts is they have very unpredictable reactions. Sometimes it's harder to train with a, a white belt that's getting after it versus a purple belt that's getting after it. Because at least for me, like he's there's so much jujitsu between us that like I can predict his movement. You know what I mean? So it really depends on who you choose. So you have to be aware that that's an important aspect and be have the skill developed to where you can pick the right person to be able to try this thing, right? One advice I would give to people is, Let's say you want to uh, work on something. Let's say it's open sparring. You guys start on your knees and you want to work on something from bottom half or actually bottom side control. There's this escape that you've been working on. Like you're really invested in trying to learn that. You know what happens when um, you're, and you should go against someone lower belt or someone lighter to practice it first. And then you, you test it. You go up and up on the weight and skill. But you know what happens when you're a purple belt and you grab a blue belt and you immediately pull to side control. They immediately start getting suspicious and change their behavior. So there's yo bad funny getting suspicious at a good, <laughs> at a good position, dude. I've had that so many times. Like I want to work on back escape, but we're starting on uh, the knees. But here's the thing: if I ask, hey, take my back, we'll start there. I'm trying to work on something. This is how most people do it. I'm trying to work on taking the uh, escaping the back. Can you start with the hooks in and then go? The problem with that is also that's an artificial position too. You know, like he didn't earn that. He didn't, he doesn't have the confidence. Like if you go against someone lower belt and then they see you as a higher belt, they think it's all still a setup, even though you started in the very beginning. Now, if you start on your knees and then you immediately just give him your back and he, he's like, I'm not going to take hooks. In. I don't know what you're trying to set up. So we're trying to, we're trying to 4D chess this motherfucker to be able to build what I need to, but I need him to be predictable. I need him to play the game that he's known for or whatever. Right. So this is what you do. You start your knees, you start the fight, you give him resistance, and then you lead him into the bad spot that you want or lead him into the position you want. Then you play your game. 
this is how you guarantee that the, your opponent is right there with you. You guarantee that they're not second guessing their own technique and that you're having an actual opportunity to test the new technique. So there's a lot of things going on there, right? So uh, this is an Black extension of working on new shit, right? So this is why I'm like the capacity to understand or the capacity to even hit this, it requires a few failures or, you know what I mean? People have to be ready to do something like this, mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so that, that was the one, no, I, you were right that, I, that there was two questions that the one thing that, that you brought up was, was the concept of drilling. Right. And that was the one thing that I didn't even understand. I understand it now. The second thing is that you said to me before that your game is not in the techniques that make up your system. Your game is in the transition between the techniques. Mm -hmm. yeah, what does that so mean? Oh, uh, just by the way, before we get there, uh, uh, it's just tough because we can go ADD, go all these other things, right? That's the that's the issue. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah, uh, I know. Roger, Hodger Gracie doesn't believe in drilling either. Oh, really? Yeah, so that's where I got, like, I, I, I listened to that on a podcast, like, as a black belt. And I was like, fuck, that's what's up. You know what I mean? Like, he, he believes in drilling as far as, like, you're a white belt trying to learn this new me mechanic. You need a drill. But after well, a certain point, he's like, he'd rather do it inspiring than that. And I'm like, I'm not saying like, I'm comparing myself. I'm just like, I agree. That's what I've been doing. That's cool. I need that confirmation. That's really I nice. just feel like with people, my level, if, if I took that approach, maybe, maybe I'd be real nice at escaping side control. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> no, but I just want to point out someone who uh, like has a similar mindset as far as like the competitor top competitors yeah what i would take from that is that he's probably been top dog for most of his training life right well mm. probably probably got his black when you can get your black belt when you're 18 that's like the earliest you can get it yeah i mean he wouldn't follow that he when he got his black belt i don't even know if he was 18 or not uh, but back then though those rules weren't like really established or like enforced you know what I mean? right right um so he was coming in probably his whole adult life that he was able to conceptualize jujitsu he was at the point where it was like I can work on what I want to work on in sparring. Yeah, but I'll tell you what, like he, you know, it's tough because you look to these leaders for advice because obviously what they're doing is working, but you also know that every single time you say something, you go to this leader and he's saying something completely different. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. you add in the outlier factor that Hodger was like one of the best ever. Mm -hmm. But it's like, because he's the best ever, it's because he had these thoughts. So the, this is why I'm like, the trend thing, it relates to the trend thing. Everyone's like, oh, that guy, I love this guy. He did this thing. It must be bomb as fuck. It's like, it's not, that's, you, you need to be aware. You need, this is why a coach is important. You need guidance. Just because this guy is, like, if you're a basketball player and Michael Jordan doing all these techniques, he's like, you don't know if they're showboating. You don't know if they, they, they sized up their opponent and like, right, right. fucking with him, uh, uh, exposed the weakness. It wasn't the technique or what they actually did. It's what they saw. And that's harder to read. You know what I mean? Well, it's like, it's like when you have the people on the YouTube ads, like, the, what's the guy who's like, he shows you the cars and he's like, I'm not proud of the cars. I'm proud of the bookshelf behind me. You know what I mean? So these guys that are selling you this stuff and maybe as an 18 year old, that's very sexy to you, but you start being in the world for 10 years and doing things for 10, 20 years. And you start to be able to say, ah, this smells like BS, right? It probably is. Yeah. And that's, that's this, the jujitsu equivalent is what you've built over your 20 years of training uh, of, of, being able to not say this is Hodger Gracie, I mean, you know, so the Hodger Gracie gives him additional credibility, obviously, but also you're evaluating the idea. You say that's a sound idea. Yeah, like the Ty Lopez shit. If you're 13, 14, and you want money for new shoes, you're going to be like, yeah, let me buy that course. 
like mm-hmm. Duh, that's mm-hmm. what i want he hit right. he hitting all the markers <laughs> right like, if you're if you if you're professionally a, a so like a online marketer and then you see his ad be like okay what is he i wonder what his angles is you know what i mean so that's literally the difference is experience to mm-hmm. be able to determine right this is why you don't see higher level guys constantly quote other top level guys because they realize that the strength is uniqueness of their game so like this goes back to and we can talk about it just shortly about competition the number one thing about competition is you have to have really good will like you got to be fighting through shit generally that gets you further ahead than uh superior game superior game is also important and then there's another aspect of uh uh it's just your personal game right the core that we talked about the thing that was developed because it was fun for you and it worked for you and all that a lot of these guys have such different games but they drive trends but you got to realize look at them themselves they weren't most of them were not affected by trends that got them to the next level one of them all of them are they like keenan is famous for saying like uh obviously i'm a fan of his right so it's like he was saying uh there's a lot of techniques that i've developed that uh i have never ever hit any tournament i'm waiting for the world's finals to hit these techniques so there's this layer of like uh covertness like you know everyone knows the pelgar's really strong is like but everyone knows most techniques except for some guys are developing stuff that you will never ever see until they have an opportunity where once they show it everyone's going to take to it right so it makes sense to save it till the very last minute once you get there if you get there so i heard homo saying something like that that like he had like he didn't bring out a technique until he was into his third year in black belt. Yeah, he's like had been working on it since like brown belt. And the third year of black belt is when he first. Yeah, and then here's the thing: those guys at the top level, even at brown, especially top level brown, is crazy, so competitive. Um, is that there is this aspect of if your game is objectively powerful, that will lead you most of the way, and that's simply not true. There's a lot of guys that have upsets because they just didn't respect the guy, and then like they had a weird game or whatever you feel me so there's this other aspect as far as competition wise beating people that you you as your level or above doing something they've never seen is more likely to fuck them up than being known for the guillotine guy and then like you just go in and do pure your game you know a lot of times i will go a certain pathway with the guy i've never trained with just so i can throw him off so then on the second time we roll or whatever second time i see him i play my real game and he's just like confused and then, so that sets up the trend for how certain black belts can beat other black belts, like over and over and over. There's a couple of guys when I was coming up, there was a few black belts that I never really gave them my A game because I didn't need to give them my A game. I can give them my Z game, completely alternate game, and I was good enough to beat them. So I could always change up the game. So they were always constantly like, hey, are you coming to train today? Are you coming to train? It motivated them to want to beat me, you know, beat that guy that's been doing well but the reality was like i had a choice i can choose to go this way or this way and it fucked up their mental and so this is how this is also a skill because when you're going to someone you don't know you have to make that determination am i going to hit him with my a game right this moment or am i going to see what he's got and then decide you feel me Mm. and that's a risk that's a risk assessment so there's another aspect of sparring that's really really important there Mm. yeah she um Damn, we got so many questions. I keep forgetting. Like, oh, we'll get back to that, and then I'm just like, fuck. Yeah, did I did I skip anyone? No, no, I, I'm, I'm skipping. I'm just trying to stay in the lane, so we're not going crazy. But the lane itself is evolving, so it's really cool. 
but yeah okay go back to all right so <laughs> so this so this is a, a similar question to what we talked about with the core and then you have your side your okay. your experimental things that you, what, what was the term that you used you said core and what core and new Corn new. Right. Yeah, it just it so, doesn't. You don't have to use my terminology. Just like as long as the concept it's, it's is the latest, dude. I want to do that. East. Yeah, east. Uh, all right. So, what about under one system? So, for example, the example would be say say my uh, my side bottom game is weak, right? Which it is. At what point do you say I need a side bottom system? And, and kind of taking out the fact that I need to learn side bottom to be good at jujitsu, right? Like that's something you have to do. But just saying, if I'm trying to get as good as possible right now without thinking about being a full complete competitor. I don't know if that's it. All right, so hold like, that thought, hold that thought. Okay. So say, I'm, I'm my, say my core is spider guard, right? And, and I realize that a lot of times I'm in side control, side bottom and, and I'm weak from there because my guard gets passed. At what point do I say, I need to work on my uh, side, spider guard retention versus my side bottom. So the question is, at what point do you go? My my system needs to be drilled needs to be drilled down, not in the terms of drilled. Like my system needs to be improved, versus I now need to go to a subsystem because my system typically leads to this spot, as opposed to my they escape my system. How do I stop them from escaping my system? That's a that's a really good question. The the issue in this particular question is that. Um, the assumption is that there is no core as far as, let's say, let's talk about bottom side, okay? If you know that you have problems there, you know that you're starting from scratch, really. Like, you're, I'm not saying you're starting from scratch. I'm just saying you're not at the level where you're proficiently and consistently and, uh, you know, escaping from bottom side, okay? If that's not met, you have to go and build your core there. Mm -hmm. That's a new system, all right? The subsystem is a form of optimization, does that make sense? So like mm -hmm. once you figure out how to get out, so there's two things going on. You could either follow what I'm saying or you can sort of skip the line and do the subset as your core, right? But to me, maybe the subset is not a good way to term terminology for me, but the way I like to think about it is this, like learn to get the fuck out first. I don't care how you get out. I don't care because sometimes if you're building a core, there's fundamental, there's these invisible patterns that you need to hit to even get out of these types of positions. Like for mount, the way you get out of side control is not the way you get out of mount, although there's some interlap, okay? But you need to understand the fundamental core requirements, the prereqs to uh, get out of these bad positions. Now, transition to subset was now that you've got that, toss the technique out, out of the way. Like, where do you wanna end up? How do you wanna get out? Like how, like in your ideal world, like, um, Perfect example for this is, um, yeah, I can hear you hear that you, you've been uh, here. Yeah. Uh, All right. <laughs> In the background. Uh, so uh, let me put it this way. I had this w serious fucking problem, blue to purple, serious problem. Anytime someone's trying to pass my guard, my, I didn't have a lot of flexibility. I was a chubby boy. I was like uh, 14, 15. I don't know. I was eating too many motherfucking tacos and shit. You mm. know what I'm saying? So, the the most efficient way to block all passing because then you know i was 13 14 and i was training with longshoremen in like long beach area so they're like thick ass samoan dudes you know what mm -hmm. i mean the usos <laughs> and shit you feel me and then so they would heavy smash my guard imagine you're a uh like 
150 pound, 160 pound, like little short kid. And then you're going against like a 5'10", 260 pound bellied, you know, over under passer guy, right? Mm -hmm. There's not much you can do. So I was left with going to turtle every time. So Mm -hmm. it worked so well. I just thought this is the secret. I'm a fucking turtle every time someone's getting past my guard. What ended up happening was I chose a technique to stop the bad position. But I never thought about the second part of where I wanted to be afterwards. Because the turtle, what do you do? You're in, you're in turtle position now. Now they have free access to your back. You know, I got really good at fighting turtle guard, quote unquote, turtle guard. But I realized at the end of a five-minute round, what, they start passing. They're doing good at passing. I, I hit the eject button, hit turtle. For the rest of that round, I'm getting smashed in turtle for the rest of the round. Yeah, they didn't get hooks in. Yeah, they didn't turn me over. Yeah, they didn't get side control. Yeah, they never passed. But I, I never had an opportunity to be offensive. At, at late purple, I realized, actually, honestly, it was at Brown. It still had bad habits at Brown of turtling. And now I just never, I don't turtle ever now because it leads into a bad situation. I know the, the components to stop a pass better, but I've changed the actual technique I utilize. So I end up in a position that I prefer to be in. Instead of turtling now, I go into the single leg. It's a way more powerful improvement upon just going to your knees. Use, utilizes the same movement that I'm used to, utilizes, it, it, I hit it at the same timing as I used to, but the technique is now superior. So back to your bottom side control uh, escape scenario. That was crazy, dude. Yeah. To the single leg? To the single. It was just a simple uh, switch, and I avoided it for years and years because I'm like, man, I'm, I, 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 I was never an athlete, so I didn't want to do something athletic. To me, that was athletic. And, I, and then I realized... After I started, I was another plateau. I was like, yo, I'm just going to, I'm desperate. I'll just do it. It was amazingly powerful. Amazingly powerful. So I'm a, do you still still use that? That's part of my A game for sure. That's part of my core now for sure. So regarding side control is like, learn to get out first and then ask yourself, do I want to, when I get out of side, do I want to play butterfly guard? Do I want to play, do I want to be in full guard? Do I want to end up in spider? Do I want, so you can see, or do I want to end up in single leg or do I want to, you know, whatever you can start seeing it's, I don't want her phone number. I'm looking for that wife. You feel me? So when you're escaping, get the fuck out of there. You know, I always say like, if you get out of side control, but then you end up in turtle, it's not ideal, but guess what? You're out of the, you're out of the fire into the pan. Right. But the reality is you want to be out of the fire into the cool box. You, you want to be cool and you want to be dominant, right? So there's a difference between escaping and then reversing the position. There's a difference. And so my advice is it might be co- new set, new system of escaping and then optimize the subsystems for whatever scenario you run into. Or you can go straight into your, the, choose the techniques that you can escape side control that leads you in a position that you're not bigger, better, stronger. So, so what I... To like to summarize what what I'm taking is that um, there was core that I was missing, right? The fact that I'm getting to side control and getting stuck means that there's just fundamental core that I don't have covered that I needs think. to be covered before you get to the system and building up. Because so then once you get there, it's like, all right, well, I'm getting in this bad position and I'm escaping. And now that's not so far from my original system because my escape is leading me back to spider. So instead of adding a subsystem for side control, it's like, Nah, dude, just learn how to escape side control, homie. Well, yeah, I mean, like, uh, keep this in mind. Learn how to get in side control. Be very, very conscious of how you end up. That's, I guess that's the best way to summarize. It's like, 
um, you can learn to get out just flat out. Just your number one goal is to get out. And then the second is how do I optimize this get out? Or you can just be like, I want to be here. So this is how I'm going to get out, you know? But, but I think that that would be, I think it's, it's easier to see that as a technique as opposed to a subsystem, right? That's just adding another technique to the system that was yeah. talking. Well, I would say it's, it's choice. It's like choice of technique. So it's not, uh, it's, but I, to me, when I'm getting on a side control, I have a, I have a hierarchy of escapes. So to me, a subsystem is something that goes below that main thing that you're trying to do. So if you run into a series of, of counters, you, you're left with this, or now I'm going to go to this. So I don't know if subset, subsystem is the appropriate term. It's just mm. you're going to have a hierarchy of things. And depending on where you end up, you immediately calibrate to that. that, that you calibrate, you refer to the hierarchy. So you you're faster about reacting. You feel mm. me? Like mm. the reality is you want, I call this Swiss Army knife. You want techniques that, you know, it, you use one tool for many scenarios. That's the quickest way to um, keep your game very simple. Because you're used to a particular movement, you know, you earn that movement, you earn that muscle memory. Now, why don't we utilize it to the best we can? So coming up on a single, I hit that everywhere from knee on belly, side control, from mount, from half guard, from I, I do I do a I do the Swiss Army knife concept where I use the same tool for many scenarios. This way I'm hacking my ability to grow and be effective and utilize this hard-earned muscle memory into something that um, in a scenario where I'm not sure what's going to happen, at least I can rely on just instinct to be in a position where I'm hitting the brakes on them. Mm. Yeah. So yeah, subsystem. Yeah. Maybe not a good term, but this is how I would, I would approach it. There's get the fuck out. And then once you get proficient at that, now we start thinking about where do we want to be? Mm. And then, so that can either transform your, 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 your escape, or you're adding or changing little things about the technique that leads you there. Mm. Yeah. Yeast, yeah. For like the perfect example is like uh, uh, the people who love, love, love taking people's backs. I w AOJ comes to mind. They do a lot of like Toriando, like open jumping, not jumping, but like open switch position, switch mm -hmm. hip passing. Because what they want is they want to toss your legs, so then you're 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 exposing your back. So instead of mm -hmm. so instead of passing, secure side work to mount, then go to back, which is the traditional flow. They go pass to back, pass to back. And so this is related because it's like, you want to pass the guard, but where do you want to end up? You know, if, if you want to, if you love getting to top half guard and you can actually finish from there or that's just your game. Yeah. Smash pass makes a lot of sense, but a double underpass doesn't make sense. So you can see how it, you can sort of work it out now. That doesn't mean that this optimization is always possible. If I love being top half, but I'm sick as fuck from double unders, then there are going to be sub transitional positions that get you to where you want. You know what I mean? Like if I double under, but I force the turtle, I could push them and then force my way into a half guard because they mm. want to recover anyway. Now you got from passing your favorite way to ending in your favorite way, but the only difference is you've added a transition to it. Um, so yeah. With, with something like that, though, it seems like it seems like that there's higher risk of not ending up where you want to be, right? You're Absolutely. just starting from a move that's more separated from the from your core. Absolutely. So, because because this that that brings home, right? Because there's a, there, I have moves like that that I like to do, 
but it doesn't take me where I, where I necessarily want to go. Yeah. Right. And I haven't, I haven't bridged that, that gap yet, but given that I'm not advanced, I end up a lot of times in most moves I do, I end up in a position I don't want to be in. Right. And then I'm further away from where I yeah. wanted to be than, yeah. than I otherwise would have been. I would say that this is the difference between um, uh, maybe purple to late purple is being more conscious about that. Like mm -hmm. realizing that, um, your choices can lead you down a path that you didn't, you don't necessarily want to be a part of. Like what I, what I, another way to look at it is you're, you're, you're thinking position to position versus your ultimate position. You know, mm -hmm. um, I played position to position game for many, many years, uh, going from I'm in bottom side. I need to get out. I'm out. I'm over here now. I guess I got to figure out what to do here. And then you get, you, you do your best every step of the way. But when you are playing position by position, step by step, uh, you're you're closer to a white belt thinking than a black belt thinking, if mm -hmm. that makes sense. I'm mm -hmm. I'm not saying it's bad for you. I'm just saying if you honestly want to get to the next level, you need the you need the you need to start thinking that first of all that know that this is a thing that you can think steps ahead, and then work towards that. That mm -hmm. will level you up more because it's uh you know uh, people who are. I call that, I guess I call that a better way to describe the position position sparring is reactive sparring. Mm -hmm. I don't Look, want there's to, a little yeah, advantage here. Let me follow this road. See yeah. I, I don't want to, and I don't want to be greedy. Like if there's, if there's a line of coins and I'm like just picking it off the ground and then it leads me into a fucking trap. That's because I was looking down and not up. Right. So, uh, there's, there's this greediness that happens, or I don't know if it's a lack of confidence or not just not realizing that. I think that for me, it's a lack of confidence. I think that's real. I think that's that, that you real. don't, it's like, who am I to dictate where this round is going to go? Yeah. This guy's better than me at jujitsu. Exactly. And so we need to stop that. We need to stop that. It's trust me. Like I'm not, you know, people say, uh, you know, lead by example. I'm a, I, it's hard to be an example when I know what the right thing to do, but I, I have, I'm a person too. Right. So what I say is learn from my mistakes. And my mistake was that I have these these instances, especially coming up, where it's like, dude, if he's going to put me inside control, I know he's going to tap. You know, a big win for me is just not to tap. And when you're really, really new, that is a win. But what happens is, remember, what took us to the dance is what will get us to the next step is like, no, it needs to change. A lot of white belts are taught, and um, correctly so, hey, I, that guy's way better than me. As long as I, he doesn't tap me, it's a win. Let's focus on defense. And it does a trick. It changes your mind to be more defensive. But you end up having this complex where you feel like you never, you, you can't be optimistic about the results. You're always pessimistic about the results where you're, mm -hmm. you're not looking. Like as an investor, you want to uh, increase returns or you want to reduce losses. And so the white belts are taught to reduce losses and it, they never transition to, or not never, but there's going to be a hard time transitioning to maximizing return and right, right now right. that confidence is about let's i'm investing i'm invested in this maybe you have more money than i do but like i need returns i need to continue to win so the wins could be mild but it you can't put yourself in a position where get out of this side control and now you're in turtles like whoo that's a win for me it's like at a certain point you have to get the fuck out of side control and get in a better position you know what, what's crazy to me about that is thinking about the people that are just born with that confidence like Think of like all the great athletes, right? They just have that that like killer instinct. How many levels of training they were and like the mental evolution that we were talking about, they mm -hmm. skip when you come in with that confidence. Yeah, you know? I'll tell you what though, like um, I'm a big believer that you need to be not confident and then build your way into confidence. Because if you come in confident, I've seen so many people crumble 
The second mm-hmm. they have opposition that they they just never felt before. You feel me? The people that's been getting crushed and like and move forward from being crushed over and over and over, they tend tend to have what it takes to get the black belt. The people that are very like confident coming in, I don't think they really last. You know what I mean? In general, in general, obviously there's freaks, but uh, like I said, learn from my mistakes. Meaning, I did everything wrong coming up. Mm. I did everything wrong and this is again why when someone comes up to me i want to help them and i do that by thinking about if i was in their shoes and i'm mad confused i want answers dude and so uh they're they're this is why asking questions is so rare in jiu-jitsu because i think a lot of coaches don't feel this way i think a lot of coaches are just like look um he's asking me a question i covered on tuesday but he wasn't here on tuesday so fuck him you know what i mean like i, I let that be a lesson to him to be more consistent and I, I, I understand that. I understand I, that too. Cause you, some, when you put from, for, which is, which is what gives me so much respect for you and, and just people like you that I know the amount of work that I've put into jujitsu mm. and I know training with people who have put in a lot less work. Um, not, and the amount of work that I put in is, is like less than one twentieth of what you put in. Right. So, um, where yeah, are you going you, with this, bro? You feel me? You you're, feel me? You're, you're, <laughs> you where are you going? <laughs> Hold on, bro. My mom's calling. Yeah. <laughs> I need that coat. Fuck. Uh, no, I, I feel you, but yeah, that's just what it is. It's like, you know, that confidence thing. I think, again, I think part of the problem in jiu-jitsu is that there's no guidance to really talk about some granular shit. You know, we're talking about side control and being like, yeah, dude, I think it's like uh, even connecting it to a confidence problem, people don't even do that. They're just like, mm-hmm. yeah, bad technique. Just fucking, this is the most common answer. Uh, bigger oompa, bro. Bigger push. Work bigger. harder, bro. Get the fuck out of there. And like, that's just because it's true doesn't mean it's good advice. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? So, in my opinion, what determines the metric for good advice is if they if they feel like they're getting better. Because mm-hmm. only they know. Like only that person is, knows. So it's extremely subjective. So I want to I want to understand them and give them the advice that they can chew on and then improve their shit. Because the last advice I want to give is fight harder. Like, if you're going for a tournament, yeah, I mean, there's no way around it. Like, will is one of the most important things in winning a tournament. But uh, in an environment where I call uh, the mats R&D, research and development, like, the sooner you can get to those walls and then figure out a way to uh, get through that wall and not through sheer force is uh, it's an amazing uh, it's an amazing feat. You know what I'm saying? Like, getting better through technique and through your mind is way better than physical. Mm. Yeah. Man, your mentality is so lit. Fire, dude. Let me train with you, dude. Yeah, let's do. <laughs> yeah, but I think um, so. We're sort we're short on time now. So um, I gotta I gotta hit the road here in a bit. But um, yeah, I want to ask you mm, any like thoughts or any loose ends you want me to cover up or you know just what your thoughts are. Man, I have a lot. Well, I mean, obviously, I have a lot of questions. <laughs> I know we <laughs> can we can get into it. Dude. This was fun. Like, yeah, um, it's fun because we do this anyways, man. Oh my god, people don't know. Like, you hit Danny, me on you, a phone call and just, for three like, hours, four hours, Daniel talks to me quite literally, quite literally. So, um, again, this if anything that shows like I want to help is just I think if we record it, other people can benefit, right? One hundred. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'll tell you what, even the most specific question you have, I'm telling you, jiu-jitsu is such a long thing. There's a lot of people that either will get there 
went past it or is currently going through it. So even the most specific thing, um, I'm down to help out through. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? So any question. Um, so speaking of the specific things, yes. maybe like uh, think something. I don't know for the future. The shimmy shock man. Yeah. Shimmy shock was working clean. Okay. I'm having issues with getting the knee in. I got you. Yeah. So uh, the shimmy shock, like at the end of the shimmy shock, is your. So people who don't know, I have a particular way of getting out of side control, and it doesn't involve umbling. I I personally can't umba them too much on bottom because of my lower back issues. So, and this has been, a th- and, and I'm not athletic. So like I worked out a way to um, get out of side control without sh- uh, umpaing or putting myself in a position where the shrimp slash umpa is very, very efficient. Um, and then, so I've been talking to Andrew about it. If you guys have a question about it, hit me up. Um, but the trick about the, the getting your knee in at the end is based on how good the, sh- the shimmy is. The better the shimmy, the, be- the the stiff arm against the hip is strong, right? Mm. If you have a stiff arm, just based on my experience, if you have the stiff arm, the weight is not on you anymore. So why would it be difficult to get your knee in? I'm curious if there's something that they're doing um, that's blocking you, like maybe like a mechanical block. They put their hand there or something. I don't know. What do you think? No, I, think that, I think that my perception and that it was working good is that how much better it was working than what I was doing before. Yeah, but yeah, I, don't think, I don't think I am locking out yeah i would say lockout is not super necessary but even if you're almost locked out think about this is like he's perpendicular to you mm-hmm. right you shimmy see my hip see my hip is controlled because he my hip is controlled because he's controlling my torso mm-hmm. okay so this top guy is controlling my torso so my hip is stuck as a as a natural like extension of that right and then so when i shimmy Look at my hip. It's way more free. So what I do is I turn in right here. So you get your stiff arm, and then he's there, you're here, and then this your so there's upper body movement to stiff arm. Now you twist your bottom till you get it. Scoop, the ice cream scoop. The ice cream scoop. Now keep this in mind. People like to I when I think about shrimping, I get my butt back a little bit, but I'm more about tw- moving the hip so the knee's able to come in. A lot of people, when they think about shrimping, they think about moving their hips far away. That can be an issue because if you're focused on getting distance versus angle, they're going to follow that and crush your distance. So when mm. you might even have this perfect, but you're shrimping, 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 and you're just going in circles, he's just following you. Mm. That's, not the, that's not the goal. The goal is, uh, you know, when you're on bottom side, you ever learn to like cross your legs over your knee? So like yeah. you're on bottom and you cross your knees, so your knee is on their ribs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Your foot's yeah. like dangling, right? Yeah, I love that though. I'm taking that to yeah, taking I that shit that. to mount. So I do that, right? And then so I shimmy, and after my shimmy and shuck, my knee should still be on their ribs, okay? And then what I do is when I shrimp, I shrimp with my that leg that's floating, keep it floating, okay? So if your if your knee was just draped over your other knee and your knee is touching their rib is think about how close you're inches away from getting a uh, knee shield. Okay. But since his body's so close to you, you can't physically get your knee inside. But when you create angles, that knee lowers in elevation, being able to stick through the crook of their hip, their torso and their, their thigh. Mm-hmm. So that knee that was over here, when you turn, it can cut through. Mm-hmm. So it's not about distance. You'll get the distance naturally when you change your angle. That's- so what my recommendation is, 
shimmy shuck, focus on the stiff arm, keep your knee close to his ribs. So when you sh- when you shrimp, your knee will naturally pop into place. So mm. you don't excessively shrimp. That's the point. If you mm. excessively shrimp, they will catch on and they will cover. But if you maintain your distance, as long as you earn the upper body distance, your hips are more free. Your hips don't need to create distance. They just need to create angle. And so your, your, your frame, so your frame and your knee should touch. You see my knee right here? Mm-hmm. So like, so I have my frame and then when my knee comes up, I, I tuck my elbow in. So now I have this full shield to protect myself. You feel me? It's tough. You're going to have to send me a video and to do the appropriately, but I think is that I the, hope- that's the top, that's the top arm or what becomes the top arm. So you boom out. And then, so the, that was the, the arm that was on the face is the one that should touch your knee. No, no, no. It's the arm that's stiff arm. So stiff oh, arm, no, no, stiff arm. Once your knee comes in, your elbow tightens up and creates that shield mm, because they're okay. going to, cu- they're going to chase you after. Right. So they're going to be chasing. So the expectation is you can't keep the stiff arm forever. So you stiff arm, you get your knee in, and then you collapse. Now you created the shield. And then from there, you you push your shin into them, and then so you posture. So now they're really far. And then you could uh, play your guard or whatever. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Clean. Yeah, yeah. That last part is very specific. People who are – you're going to have to watch the video, but it's not even – I can go deeper. It's, Dude, throw it's, up a shimmy shock video. I make a video about it. Yeah, throw a shimmy shock instructional. Yeah, true. Tag me, dude. Let's go. all right um hope that helped out like i think what what did we cover so we covered uh the 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 changes in my game through the belts and then what each belt should think about like it's i think it's insightful to see what my experience was but you can see that there's a transition from technical speaking to mental differences right uh there's that and then the difference between core and extra game Mm-hmm, um that mm-hmm. the the uh the invisible forces and my my warning that if your core is your your core is emphasized less than the new stuff that's it probably not that helpful for you now if you're a lower belt everything's new so obviously be a sponge but for the people that are a little bit higher belt more experienced like yeah have this concept of 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 uh good old faithful shit and then that new stuff that's going to make your faithful shit even more faithful you know and all of it changes all of it changes will always change so the hard part is realizing that what you've been spending a year or two on can literally just poof vanish and completely change right so there's a lot going on there and uh yeah uh there's so many more things about how i approach people that are how do i approach sparring for people that are higher belt or better than me same level as me or worse than me how do how do we can continue that conversation about drilling we could also continue that situation of how to how to when can i build in sparring and when am i supposed to test my game in sparring mm-hmm. there's so many things that are very important to talk about i don't, I don't know if i just haven't heard people talk about it maybe i, Dude, I, don't I would love to, i would love to talk to you about that I yeah because to I, I to be fair i don't listen to a lot i used to listen to a lot of jesus podcasts but then I found some of the questions to be like just too man. A lot. Yeah, too I generous. really agree. Which yeah. is which, yeah, which is dope to get to ask you questions. Most of the questions you hear are like, "What was your favorite match? What was your most pivotal yeah. jujitsu moment?" Well, like in, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> in jujitsu, we have such a great community. Yeah, it's the best thing about yeah, training yeah. jujitsu is the community. <laughs> yeah, no, I I find it sort of 
it's it's too much fanboy and i wish like more people asked him like real questions that would benefit my training you know what i mean like uh, yeah i mean that's the thing about jiu-jitsu is that there's no other sport where you can show up one day and the goat is like on the mat you know there's not you can't do that in basketball you can't play a pickup game and jordan's like chilling you know mm -hmm. so jiu-jitsu is one of those things so we have all this great access is just uh yeah i i would have conversations for days on like so how what it like what is your philosophy on teaching and like uh, if you had to do it again what would be uh, is uh growth the number one thing like what part how do you determine how you're getting better like there's so many questions that would be more up what i want to learn about because and it'd be, it'd be so it'd be so interesting to do like because it's cool when you go visit different gyms but it'd be interesting to go visit different gyms through time mm. and just see how the culture morphed and like what was uh yeah i wonder what it's like in japan like with the, what the old school jiu-jitsu was like the, that's uh, interesting you know i trained in japan a couple times and uh it's definitely different just like i i lived in brazil for a few months and so the culture there's so different like i can get into that too um it's so different it's so different i can honestly say though uh America has it really nice. We have it really nice. Like, uh, there's a lot of baggage that uh, doesn't get carried over to America, but there's obviously some. But then there's also there's a lot of pros and cons. But Americans have it really nice as far as like the training and expectations and uh, growth opportunity and access to information. Like, uh, it's pretty dope. So, mm -hmm. yeah, in Brazil they work harder, no doubt. They're hard working. They're grinders. In America, I think. Uh, because we don't have to grind as much, some people fall off by think overthinking things. So there's you know there's a, there's a balance. So whereas in Japan, it's it's the number one thing that's different is physical physical size. The the physical size limits and uh, makes them appreciate certain style of training or style mm -hmm. of games more than other styles. And so um, it's it's it's. It's fair to say, like, at the lower weights, you see way more Japanese competitors than at the higher weights. Hmm. And if you think about those guys that are competing internationally at the higher weights, most of their training partners tend to be more lighter. So they don't even know how to grow into their own strength and physicality. You feel me? I'm not saying they don't know that. Of course, I'm just saying, I'm just speculating on it. Right, but right, right. Based on my training, that's what I saw. Like, no disrespect, but it's like, no doubt that lower weight guys are killing it in japan like killing it absolutely killing it you know um uh, whereas america we have a the we have so many more people the sizing is bigger we have a lot of big guys that are doing really well um, Yo, have the, you seen, he, yeah, you, heavyweight super heavyweight stuff like that have you seen that video of the japanese guys doing uh brambolos and stuff like that yeah dude they, they is that real that yeah that's no no real. like the old like the old it's like a supposed oh, to be a super oh, old video oh. Yeah, you know what? That's a that's a whole different like historical thing. So like, what they say, there's a lot of like, I don't know the final story about it, but they'll call it like um, Kosen Judo. I think what it's called. Am I tripping? Something like that. And what they did was they did a lot of newaza, so they did a lot of ground technique. And at the time, it was an Olympic sport, so there were no limitations on what to do. The number one thing that helped and hurt judo is being an Olympic sport. This is why when people talk about jiu-jitsu being an Olympic sport, I'm, I used to be like, yeah, let's do it. It was going to explode the art. It's going to do it. I personally think UFC is a better vehicle for jiu-jitsu's growth than um, Olympics because they're, they're going to, it's going to be highly regulated. We're not going to see, like, imagine if IBGF was in charge of, like, they were, they were worked with the IOC and like started regulating stuff. Dude, heel, no heel hooks in the gi, 
uh, they were thinking about like limiting 50-50. Like imagine really? if, there were, if there were Olympic committee, like they would they would completely change the art. Yo, is there any truth to the rumor that the CCP controls the IBJJF? Yeah, you know what? I, I heard about that. And uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, <laughs> no I, you know, that's an interesting thing about jiu-jitsu. In China, I trained in Taiwan, but I'm curious how jiu-jitsu is in China because I don't know if they're homegrown black belts. I think there are. I'm No doubt there are, but I don't know if it's a lot of – like in UAE, uh, they flew a lot of Brazilians to come start their jiu-jitsu programs mm-hmm. in schools, colleges, Beast, stuff dude. like that. Beast. Beast. Amazing. Henzo is like a major ambassador over there. Really, uh, but in China, I don't know if it's like a if there's government programs. You you would think that there there would be, but I don't think um, jiu-jitsu is that popping. Like, I don't know, uh, but yeah, I, it's interesting to see how different countries train. Like, based mm-hmm. on my personal experience, like I always learned a lot from just experiencing that, particularly Japan and Brazil. Brazil, I learned a lot, lot because I spent so much time. Japan, mm-hmm. it was really interesting. The culture is very different, as you could imagine. Um, hierarchy is slightly different from what I've experienced in both U.S. and Brazil. And uh, certain things that you're allowed to do in Japan, you're sort of not allowed to do in Brazil, too. So that's also really interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But uh, I got to get out of here. All right, man. Um, bro, thank you. You thank always you, have uh, insane questions, and it gives me an opportunity to share it. Again, like, I am not by any means, like, the ultimate i'm not saying this is the way i'm just saying if this makes sense do it because there's not a lot of people talking or thinking about it this way maybe there are i have not actually listened to there's like podcasts that people are doing i don't know i don't listen to a lot of it i haven't heard any man i haven't heard any (laughs) jujitsu podcasts that are actually talking about like jujitsu yeah most of it is like the life of jujitsu athletes and things like that which is interesting and cool and yeah, I really don't give a fuck about all that. Yeah, like, right. I, it's not, <laughs> yeah, I, I'm just like you got. I I'm just confused. Like, uh, and I'm not judging. It's just like guys' priorities. Like, you want to be better at you want to be a blue belt forever and like listen to like all the latest like Abu Dhabi mm. news and who's who's announced and like Gordon Ryan uh, or do you want to like work on that second control thing that you got you've been wanting to mm-hmm. work on? You know, so mm-hmm. um, which is actually the, I was listening to a um a podcast with Homolo mm. and um. And they did the guys who were giving it. I don't. I don't remember who it was, but they would play a clip and they would let him talk about it. And it was bad because he was like, he was like, "This is my knee cut. Here I went for this grip because he yes. did this, and then he did this, and I went." For, and I was just, I couldn't see the video because I was just in the car. But but I thought that was a cool. A cool Dude, I thing. love. I love that the breakdowns are amazing because the problem with break the problem with asking jujitsu questions to um, jujitsu guys is number one, there might be like a communication issue. Obviously, like someone who's like an immigrant or whatever, it's always been difficult. Uh, but the second part is the questions are just not good enough. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, I, and, and I'm not hating, but it's like if you say just like if you're a coach and I come up to you and be like, hey, I need help with uh, sweeping. And like, OK, where is like uh, from full guard? It's like, OK, you know, what, what sweeps are you having problems with? It's like, yeah, when they sweep, he's like, oh, you mean sweep defense? Oh, OK, well, let's keep going. So specific questions get specific answers right so with when you 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 take the you take the variable of the person interviewing out of it and you show them the match and then they can start breaking shit down that's amazing right then um, you're putting this somewhere you're putting this recording yeah, so, somewhere. yeah so i'm recording it and then we're gonna put it on i we're gonna put it on as a podcast and then okay. eventually i would like to post it up on youtube the video of it yeah 
it'd be interesting, man. It'd be interesting to see what is helpful to people, to your students. What, yeah. like, I don't know. It would just be interesting to see. Dude, my thing is, I don't know. My main thing is, if you if is it if it's relevant for you, it's gonna be relevant for other people. That's that's simple as that. So my it's really my job to put out more content, honestly. Like, and then hopefully more people like listen. But yeah, that, you know, it's tough to just rant by myself because I don't know. <laughs> yeah, that's up. But yeah. <laughs> I'm just ranting, and so um, I like having you here because you can sort of like uh, you can you can move it along. You can, we can both together, like work on something. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, I, I mean, I've never experienced it. I've never experienced anybody be able to talk about, not that I have a lot of experience in jiu-jitsu, but I've just in the whatever, six, yeah, yeah. seven years, I've never heard anybody talk like you do. For sure. Uh, yeah. I don't, I've never met anyone like that too. All the coaches I've ever had, it's not even been close. So it's, um, but they all have strengths, you know, some people, for sure, for sure. like my coach Milton, he's a beast, like, holy fuck. Like, see him and compete and the you see how he carries himself and like the mentality he has he's a fighter bro you know what i mean but uh i don't think i've ever had a conversation about hey what happens when you know what i mean and then we have like 30 minute conversation about like really yeah, he's like bro let's fucking get after it dude i'm like I, and a lot of times that's good advice too but sometimes if for people that are looking for something slightly different i'm hoping me going we're just micro strategizing like we're just gonna go okay and then your knee and, and you know uh i don't know just go into it but rg hey. um all right man let's, let's let's do it again and then um i'll try to get this out and then uh yeah just appreciate the questions keep it coming and uh dude we can go in cool, man. whenever you want me all right dude for sure RG, peace. all right thanks man all right guys so that was it with andrew blue belt you can tell we you know we're homies so like we have conversations about this all the time and it's nothing new for us but to be able to record it is uh i think is a good idea so ho hopefully other people can maybe if you don't have questions on the top of your head listen to someone who does really helps out really helps out um it's as simple as ask and get the answer so um he we always have this conversation that goes can go left and right left and right so i'm hoping uh, we can do more of these and for other people too. So if anyone's interested in getting on here, you don't have to get on here. You can actually just send me questions. I'd be happy to get into it. Um, and, you know, we'll work through it. Number one goal, guys, is just to help you. Um, so uh, it's just my opinion, you know. So uh, try to get as much opinions as you can. The problem is that opinions are sort of on very specific questions. It's sort of limited. So let's make it happen here. Let's start, let's start something, all right? So... Thanks all. Um, I don't know the next time I'm going to be doing this, but uh, I'll keep pushing this out. Reach out to me on Fame Jiu Jitsu uh, through the website, famejujitsu.com, and uh, the IG, Bame Jiu Jitsu, at Bame Jiu Jitsu. Any questions, you can hit me up there. And uh, if you're ever in the Fremont area, come through. We have classes, we're training Jiu Jitsu. You know, it's COVID, so it's, there's a lot, there's a few limitations, but hey, we got to keep it going. Okay. All right. See you guys. Thank you. Want to thank our sponsor today, Foxhound Fuel. Uh, it's pretty interesting. So they do a pre, during, and post-workout supplementation program. And it's it's really cool. Like they use real ingredients. I'm seeing turmeric, coconut, matcha, on top of electrolytes and vitamins, BCAs, glutamine. Like these are, when I think about glutamine and, and, and BCAs, electrolytes, I'm thinking about martial arts, you know, but George, who who's, runs this company, when I spoke to him, he, 
I've discovered that he loves Iron Man's, uh, loves the martial arts, UFC, you name it. And he wanted something that had real products, like real things that's going to actually help him recover, prepare, all that stuff. And it made sense for me too, for jujitsu, you know, it's, it's a consistency thing. So it's a grind and we sweat a lot. Um, there's, there's a lot of benefit that we can have from using these products like this. So, um, I thought it would be a good fit. They're going to give us a discount code here. So it's from the Dojo 15. You'll get a discount and help us out as well. Um, come check it out. It's pretty cool. Hope you guys liked that episode. And, uh, you know, again, I just want to, I just want to answer questions. You know, I think that's the best way to help someone is if they have a question, I would love to answer it. So if you guys ever want to reach out to me and it's a great question or whatever, like I would love to make it a topic and record myself just answering it. So, um, it's BAME Jiu-Jitsu, B-A-E-M Jiu-Jitsu. And I'm on Instagram, uh, YouTube, hit me up on my website. It's all good. Just reach out to me and I would love to help however I can. Um, and if you're ever in the Fremont area, Fremont, California, come by. Come check me out. Come train with us. And, uh, you know, open, open door policy. I don't care where you're from. Let's go. Let's get it.